Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. limited resources and diversity, so many people find themselves marginalized without access to resources. The summer has been a season of drought, as you might know, uh, particularly when you looked at your water bill, if you water your grass. Been a season of drought, and the Colorado River, for instance, has gone down to its lowest level since the second century according to recent scientific studies, by studying tree rings and how narrow those rings get in seasons of drought. So it might be nearly 1,800 years since the Colorado River has had that much drought. And if you've looked at some of the pictures, there's boats that were submerged that are now on top of the water. Uh, There's some bodies that were submerged that are now uh, recovered, and folks wondered where they were. I think Jimmy Hoffa is still down there someplace. But when there's limits to such as limits of water, and that brings risk to life because we are dependent on water, dependent on water in so many ways, and when there are problems of water rights, do farmers get advantage, uh, priority over the water so that we can have avocados? Or do the folks in L.A. get the priority of the water so that they can uh, have enough water for their places. There's the old adage of give a man a fish to eat and he eats for a day, but teach a man to fish and he eats for a lifetime. One of my seminary professors says, well, that's only true if they have access to the water. Doesn't do any good with a little plastic thing on there. How many of you as a kid got that fishing pole and your mom or your dad put that, or your grandpa put that little plastic thing on the bottom so you could practice casting? If you don't have access to the water, it doesn't matter how well you can fish. Because there are people who will block your access to things. And there are a few folks in the room know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been, access has been denied to you at significant places in your life. And as critical it is to have access to water and to recognize that there are people with power and control that will block you and push you to the margins where barriers, barriers are a challenge to your well-being. As critical as water is in the basic need of life, as we look to Acts chapter number 8, we see an even greater challenge than water rights. Water is not your deepest need. Your deepest need is for the rainmaker. Your deepest need is the one who spoke the sun into existence. Your deeper need is the one who breathed into you your very first breath. And he was actually knew you were on your way before your mama had a clue that you're on your way. I need you to know this morning that Jesus is in the house He got here before you did. He is inviting us even now here this morning to experience him in a new and precious way. Reading from Acts chapter 8, verse number 26. Acts chapter 8, verse number 26. And the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise, 
and go toward the south unto a way that goes down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is a desert. Now, the original readers to the book of Acts would have known that Gaza was in the desert, so that phrase is there for us. So in Scripture, we see some, they're called scene types. They're settings, if you would. When you see a well, you might anticipate some guy meeting a lady there at the well and they get married or something changes at the well. That's what happens by well places, and you can see that throughout Scripture. Mountaintop experiences, the mountain of God. Elijah had to go to one, and Moses took the people to another mountaintop. Those mountain experiences, and you can read about it in Mark chapter 9, a mountain experience of transfiguration. But here when he says a desert place, it's not just because cacti are the only thing that's growing and a, and a few uh, Gila monsters are around or scorpions are there to pester your way or uh, those kinds of things. But it's a scene setting that this is a dry and barren place, both physically and spiritually. So Philip arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia. Now here's the paradox. He was a eunuch. Life-giving power had been stripped from him at a young age, probably. Here is a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. In those days, it was not uncommon for those who were in power and authority to make eunuchs of those to whom they gave position. That way, those people would never, ever use their position for themselves or for their descendants. So, he had been emasculated as a child. He would never shave. His voice would never change. The last uh, recorded event we have this happening in the West, although there are over a half a million eunuchs in India still today, but the last time recorded of this in the West where it was perpetrated on someone else was the castrados in Italy, a boy's choir uh, at the time uh, in the 1920s. There were still castrados boys who had been emasculated so their voices would stay high for the purpose of other people to hear their singing. So we see this eunuch with great authority of the Egyptians who had a charge of all of his, her treasury. She was, he was the chief of the treasury. But he had come to Jerusalem to worship. He had not come to Jerusalem to see King Herod. He had not come to Jerusalem to think about uh, financing with the queen's resources a new building project, a water project, or to help support something that was happening in Rome. No, he had come to Jerusalem for one reason and one reason alone. I will worship. I want to worship. I want to worship. He would have come. But he was returning. Challenge with his return is he went to worship, but somebody blocked the path to worship. He had made a journey out of Egypt land to go to Jerusalem, which was supposed to be the house of prayer for all nations. And he gets there and says, because your voice squeaks, and because you can't shave, you're not even welcome to the porch of the Gentiles. I came to worship, but somebody put up a barrier and said, I'm not welcome here because something had happened in my life. I'm here this morning to let you know 
That which is somebody's barrier right now is about to become someone's doorway. That which was once blocking you from the presence of an almighty God is about ready to swing open wide as you go straight into the presence of the Holy One. Spirit said to Philip, go near and join yourself to his chariot. Philip ran thither to him, heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, probably reading Isaiah in Greek, probably reading from the Greek translation called the Septuagint. And as he hears those Greek words, I can only imagine that they come out, squeaky voice, but broken heart. In those days, you never read silently, you always read aloud. We got in trouble for doing that in first grade, right? But in those days, everyone read aloud. So as he's reading it aloud, chastisement, my sin was upon him. But his heart is saying, I wonder why they won't let me near. Burning flax, reed will he not crush. How come I feel so broken? Somebody in the room this morning, we have sung and we have worshiped. There's a place in your spirit (laughs) which is in such turmoil. It might be a new convert beginning to come to the Lord. It might be someone that's been here for a long time and you've already felt his presence in the past in a powerful way. But it's kind of like Moses when he saw that burning bush and he turned aside and drew near to one bush. But about three years later, he's taking two million people to a whole mountain that's on fire. And in between the burning bush and a burning mountain is a Red Sea and an army of Egypt some barriers that are in the way to get you from where you've been to where you need to be. And I need you to know what's blocking access to where you've been to where you need to be is about to be a doorway blown all the way through. If you're just willing to say, I got a blockage in the spirit right now. There's a wall between me and where God needs to be. But I trust that Jesus, Jesus is making access path. So Phillips asks the eunuch, do you understand what you read? This story, there's, as with every biblical story, there's multiple actors. Every good story has to have multiple characters, and there has to be conflict, and there has to be some kind of resolution. The story is written so powerfully that I need you to know that the key person in the story is not the eunuch. The key person in the story is not Philip. The key person in the story is Jesus. And if you and I are willing to take ourselves out of the top billing place, Big font, top billing, select your name, shrink it down to 12 point and pull it down. Select the name Jesus. 
blow it up as big as it'll fit on the page. Lift it to the top. You see, as John the Baptist said, he must increase. But I gotta decrease. His will must increase. My will must decrease. His purpose must be enlarged. My purpose must be shrunken down. You might be here and yesterday was the most atrocious day of your life. Sinful wise. Yesterday may have crushed you and stifled you, whether it was done by you or done to you. Someone in the room might have been shamed this month or this year in a dimension that you can't even tell anybody. But I gotta let you know right now, Jesus has already borne your sorrow. He's already carried your pain. He's already taken your suffering. And if you let Jesus step into your story today at which was barrier becomes an access point. God is always the key actor in biblical narratives. He is never ever supporting actor. He never gets an Oscar for the supporting actor. That's your gig and my gig. Now sometimes I want to be in charge. Anyone else confess? Sometimes, when we're with someone we really love, not mentioning any names, but when we're sometimes we, with someone we really love, and they make suggestions, and spirit of discernment falls on you, and you realize that suggestion is a heavily weighted recommendation. It behooveth you. In moments like these, I revert to King James language. It behooveth you to say, that's a good idea. Why didn't I think of that first? And you go and do it. Even more so this morning, we've talked about our love for Jesus. It behooveth us to say, Lord, I'm not going to carry this barrier anymore when you've asked for me to release it to you. I will not go home blocked from your purposes and your design. I will not go home filled with sorrow and pain. And I will not go home confused. And I will not go home unable to face tomorrow. Before I leave this room this morning, I'm going to find a way to give my barrier to you. And let me walk boldly into your purpose and into your design. My mind made up. I'm not going home with the blockage that I came with. I'm not going home with the sorrow that I came with. The sin that I carried in the house, I'm going to leave it behind when I go home. It might be a good point for me to say to someone that's not yet been baptized in his name, Pastor, it could be done today, couldn't it? It could be done today. We're ready. <laughs> We're ready. We're ready. They were riding through the desert. You, you can get the picture. Squeaky voice man in his wagon. Perhaps has a driver in front of the wagon. You know, rich people, they get drivers. I don't really understand because particularly the more expensive the car, I think I would want to drive it. 
rich people, they have somebody driving. So he's got a driver, and as he's driving, he's got the scroll in his hand, the scroll of Isaiah. This scroll is probably about 35 feet long. Okay, so scrolling. Anybody hate text messages that you got to scroll? No, that's a book. That is not a text message. So scrolling isn't like this. It's So he scrolled his way through Isaiah. This thing is handwritten. This thing is extremely expensive. But this man had decided, since I have nothing to live for, I'm going to take my resources and I'm going to buy something of purpose and design. There's somebody in the house this morning that the master's got a call for your spirit right now. He's given you resources and somebody's been using those resources trying to find satisfaction and purpose and design for your life. I'm going to ask you this morning, someone needs to say, Lord, you've given me those resources. I'm going to use those for kingdom purposes, kingdom potential. Those resources may be financial. Those resources might be square footage in your house. Those resources might be academic training that you've received or entrepreneurial skills. Like this Ethiopian eunuch, I challenge you to use those resources for something which abides. As they're riding through the desert in the quest for understanding why no access has been granted in his life. Remember the squeaky-voiced man. I can do that for a little while, but continuing to do so irritates me, and I'm sure it does you as well. Squeaky-voiced man is wondering, why is it? Why is it every day of my life, once I was taken from my parents' home and they took me to a doctor's office for a surgery I did not understand, how it would control the rest of my days? Why is it that I've been granted access in some places because I'm nobody? And I've been blocked access other places because I'm nobody. How come nobody will let me be a somebody? How come I don't have identity of my own? I am merely a collection of what other people have done to me and what doors are open and what doors are closed. I need you to understand this morning in the presence of the Jesus that we worship, you are now a somebody. You're not a nobody any longer. Your definition is no longer what you have done or what has been done to you. Your definition is the name that's called on you. You remember the lady who had the hemorrhage for a dozen years or so? The law said that she couldn't go to crowds. So for we had to be sequestered for six, 10, 12 months recently in a little outbreak. Could you imagine 10 years of making sure every step you took, no one would ever get within 20 feet of you. You got to go to the well to get water. At least we, locked into our house, could turn on the spigot. We could ask somebody to bring our groceries to the front door, you know. The lady didn't have that access, so she's got to time her trip places. When no, Maybe she would get up at 2 in the morning and go to the well house. Because of this condition on me, I can't go to a crowd. I've gone to the doctors. I've spent all that I've got, and I can't fix this. 
I just got one thing left to do. I heard Jesus is coming to town. There's some things I've heard about this Jesus. I heard someone come to the door next to me and screaming out one day, I, I was blind, but now I see. And I saw someone else on the other side of me, crippled, carried into the marketplace, but I saw them running home the other day, and now I hear Jesus is back in town. I wonder what would happen if I got close to Jesus. This is why it's important for you to tell the world what Jesus has done for you. Zacchaeus would have never known to climb a tree unless someone screamed out, I was blind, but now I see. The lady would have never pushed into the crowd unless someone said, I had palsy, but now my hands are steady and sure. Your neighbor needs you to testify, my God has been good to me. He's been so very good to me. He healed me when I was broken. He lifted me up when I was weary. He has set my feet on a firm place and my emotions and my my spirit has been healed. You, you do realize that when you're talking about Jesus, you have to get a little bit political because this is about his kingdom come, his will being done. But instead of complaining about the kingdoms of this world, we can testify about the kingdom that has already begun to inbreak on us. I've seen some cancers healed here. I can't wait till I get over there and all cancer's gonna be gone. I've seen, I've seen some heart disease healed here. I was in a Sunday school class once when I was 14 and there was a commotion outside the teen Sunday school room because one of our elders Elders fell over dead in church. But he was there Wednesday night worshiping again. I've seen a dead man walking. I can't wait. I can't wait to some of those that have already gone before, both those I know and those that I don't know. I got brothers and sisters that were executed in Russia years ago because they believe this gospel. I got brothers and sisters that have been beheaded in Saudi Arabia for this gospel's sake, and I can't wait till I stand shoulder to shoulder to them. But I'm gonna begin now. The kingdom of heaven is here and is in breaking here. So in this crisis, this man with the squeaky voice, he's, he's begun to read down through this passage and he's wondering what's up. So he says to Philip, how can I accept someone guide me? And he desired Philip that he should come up and sit with him. You do realize our world is needing some people to be available Scripture said the Spirit led Philip there. When you go to work tomorrow, when you go to university tomorrow, when you go to Walmart tomorrow, would you please go in the leading of the Spirit? Spirit doesn't have to tell you which aisle to go. You don't have to go on the blindfold. You don't have to go to university and say, well, I'm not going to study because the Spirit's going to give me all the answers tomorrow. Suggest not. Do that. But if you go to the university and say, Lord, I'm open. When you put your foot down on that university campus, that high school campus tomorrow, 
Say, Lord, all day today, I'm open to your voice. Because this might be the day that someone's got a question. Philip didn't chase him down in Jerusalem. He waited till he was in a dry place. He waited till he was in a desert place when things were open. In Jerusalem, he may not have been quite ready because he went to worship. Maybe he's there a few days. Well, he got turned away by one doorkeeper and got turned away by another doorkeeper. Maybe he wasn't ready, but on his way home in despair, he's reading the scroll and he's ready. And the Spirit says, I got somebody hungry. Do I have somebody ready to feed him? And here's Philip. He had been the bread passer outer before. He had handed out the wonder bread of life to some widows and he had preached it in Samaria. And you can read it earlier in this chapter. Even, even the witch doctor had come to Jesus and been filled with the Holy Spirit. Amazing things that had been done. He was available and he was spirit led. We are a people who are filled with the spirit. I am not so sure we are a people who are led by the spirit. That's all right. I won't be here for another nine months, okay? I'm confident we are filled with the Spirit. I'm confident we worship in the Spirit. I'm confident we are hungry for the Spirit. I'm just not quite as sure that we, we, all of us, intend every day to be led by the Spirit. If so, we should be ready now to stand side by side with some folks who have had not had access to things of the Spirit. We should be willing to stand near, as Pastor's going to talk about the next few Wednesdays. We should be able to stand near some people that are confused. They think they're solid and sure. They think they got it all figured out. They think they have a better way for humanity. And we're going to be called to stand next to them and not judge. Mr. Eunuch, how come your parents sold you? Mr. Eunuch, how come your parents didn't fight for you? Mr. Eunuch, how come your nation is such an evil empire that they would do that? Oh, no, that's not the word. Here's the word. Do you understand? Do you understand what you're reading? Do you, do you understand what you need to know? Because we are a people who are led by the Spirit, and we are a people who are attuned by the very words of life, and we are a people who are not afraid to be available to the outcast. Pembroke in his excellent book on pastoral listening says you've got to be available emotionally in all those ways. But you also have to have confirmability. You have to be able to see God in them. You have to be able to see God in them. When Cherry and I first moved to St. Louis, oh, 27 years ago or so, there was a news story that broke. One of the headliner uh, newscasters in St. Louis for KMOX, one of the big radio stations. She was murdered by her husband. Brutally, brutally, I mean, blood all over the apartment where she was murdered by her husband. Well, almost all of St. Louis was in shock that this would happen by someone who loved her, and he was convicted and put on death row. A friend of mine, Vic Votaw, 
said, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if he might be ready to hear about Jesus now. So Vic got permission to go in maximum security. And the man granted permission. You can come talk to me here. So Vic went in, doors clanging behind him, looking at a man that he knew his last free act had been used to take his wife's life in a brutal way. And Vic said, I, I come to let you know that there is hope for you. I can't get you off a death row here, but I know a Jesus that can get you out of death row there. I can't promise you're never going to face lethal injection here, but I can promise you this one thing. Your name can be written in a book. And when the Lord calls his faithful home, you can be at the top of the line instead of the bottom of the list. Vic didn't say, you shouldn't have done that. The man knew he shouldn't have done that. Vic didn't say, I'm going to try to understand what happened in your childhood that drove you there. He just said, your sins, which are many, they can be made white as snow if you just come to Jesus. Because right now, sir, you're ready to listen to me. Vic had the privilege of baptizing him in the name of Jesus. Since then, he's gone in several times to talk to the gentleman and to encourage him in the spirit. You see, I'm wondering, the most wicked person you know, are you able to look at them and say, I confirm that God has a purpose and a design for your life? Or do we look at someone that's despicable when we say, I can't wait until you get the judgment that you deserve? How we are sent to confirm, and that's what the eunuch does. So he's reading along, and this is the place in Scripture where he read from Isaiah 53. He is led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearers, so opened he not his mouth, and his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Justice was taken away in his humiliation. Justice was robbed him as he was cut Justice robbed him as he was cut. And as the squeaky-voiced man reads that out loud, justice was taking away as he was cut. And who will declare his generation? His generation, meaning he will have, never have any kids. And who will pray over him as he's dying? No one will be there. No one will be there to pray as he is dying. The eunuch is reading that passage and tears streams down his face and he says, I know how that feels because there won't be anybody. When is my time to die? Candace, the queen, has trusted my wisdom in managing her finances. When is my time to die? She will have moved on to another eunuch. I'll just be taken over to a place and discarded on the trash heap of life. I got to believe that in this room right now, those watching online or watching this later, there's one or two who are wondering, does my life have any value or purpose? Does anyone care whether I live tomorrow or not? Like a lamb dumb was before his shearer, so he opened not his mouth. And who shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? The eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray you. This is a question. This is the one question I have. Is the prophet talking about himself? Is he writing autobiographically about the pain that he feels? Or is he talking of some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at that same scripture 
and preached unto him Jesus. What made your voice squeaky? And what barred the door to the gate of the Gentiles in Jerusalem? That barrier every day of your life, another row of bricks gets laid in top and another uh, uh, column is added in front and those barriers got wider and taller with every single breath that you breathe. But I need you to know that he's talking about Jesus and this Jesus was cut off and this Jesus was wounded for you and this Jesus was cut for you and this Jesus was suspended on the tree for you. It was done all for you. And as they went their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If you believe, not with all your head, but if you'll believe with all your heart. There are some things about baptism, if you've not yet been baptized, there are some things you're not going to get. I was baptized in 1967, in the last millennium. Been a long time ago since I went down with my evil six-year-old sins, coveting my neighbor's eraser. But God, forgive me. I wish that eraser was mine. How come I didn't get parents that could buy erasers that cool that look like sports cars and when you rub them, they smell like cherry? How come I just get the ugly pink ones? Evil sins, baptized in the name of Jesus. I didn't understand it all. As a matter of fact, even now at 61, I don't get all of it. I get some of it. This is what the Word says to do. I get some of it. This is what they did. I can follow that. I know it's for the remission of sins. I know it's in the name of Jesus, but I'm not going to get all of it. But I'm wondering today if there's someone in this room that is willing to say, I believe with my heart. Now, believing with your heart doesn't mean he will make me feel better. Believing with your heart says he will change everything about me. Believing with your heart says from this day forward, I don't make choices which are good for me. I make choices which are good in the Holy Ghost. From this day forward, it's not my will be done, but thy will be done. That's what it means to believe with your heart. You confess with your mouth, you better be confessing it with your heart as well. And the man cries out, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He had already said, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? I used to think because they were in the desert and they needed a place of oasis uh, that he could have a baptismal service. The problem wasn't a water shortage. The problem is that there were barriers to him. But I need you to know that Jesus is the very bread of life. Jesus is the very bread of life. Jesus is the substance of everything that we have or need. When Jesus received the bread and he blessed the bread, the next thing he did is he broke the bread. Apologies to the cleanup crew. Next thing Jesus did is he broke the bread. This morning I'm talking to somebody 
There are barriers because of your brokenness to what God wants to do in your life. I need you to know that barrier, what you thought was insurmountable, is about to become your doorway. For the eunuch, what kept him from ever getting what he longed for, Jesus was there to meet him at his place of brokenness. What was a wall became a door. What was a hindrance became an opportunity. What once limited him, freed him up to what does hinder me now. There is nothing that hinders me now because Jesus met me at my barrier. Jesus met me at my brokenness and now I can be alive. Now I can be alive. Now I can be alive. Stand with me, please. The barrier becomes the doorway. The hindrance becomes the opportunity. In 1 Peter chapter number 2, we quote this verse often when we're calling for the sick. It's by his stripes you are healed. This is quoting from Isaiah's suffering servant passages close to the scroll where the, where the eunuch is reading there. By his stripes you are healed. In that context, he is talking primarily not about physical healing, He's talking about spiritual and emotional healing. And he gives five case studies, evil governments, slaves being beaten by their master. And after he talks about slaves being beaten by the master, he says, stand strong. And it's by the stripes of Jesus. Jesus was striped just like servants were striped. And if you'll put your stripe next to Jesus' stripe, if you'll just stand back to back with Jesus this morning, back your wound right into Jesus' wound. One day he met Thomas who was doubting and Thomas says, I can't believe you're the Christ and Jesus says the only way you're going to believe is put your hand right in my wound put your finger right in my wound put your hand right in my side and if you'll touch my wound you can believe there's somebody here this morning that has to say my barrier it's been very real and I don't know how to pray through and I don't know how to climb over and I'm tired of being angry about it and I'm tired of being depressed about it I'm wanting you to know if you will confess that barrier to Jesus, Jesus will turn your barrier into a door. I pray right now. I pray right now that the Lord make your barrier very clear to you. Pray right now in a loving and kind way. That that thing which you have suppressed and pushed down and fought through tenaciously and your labor, label is I'm a survivor because I survived all this stuff. And, but that is survivor label is still contingent on the barrier. Because without the barrier, you're not a survivor. Even a survivor label contingent on what's happened to you. So I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, would you reveal to us in this room, all of us, would you reveal to us our current barrier? Lord, would, would you take, would you take the bulldozer and pull away all the dirt that I've shoveled on it to make a ramp so I can climb over my barrier when I get to the top and somebody lays another rack? Lord Jesus, right now, I pray, pull away all the dirt and reveal the barrier in its 
edged, raw, rough, ruggedness that it is, insurmountable. Would you reveal it right now? In Jesus' name. Lord, would you reveal the pain from this last week completely? Lord, would you reveal the sorrow from this year in this room, listening online, oh Lord, uh, some who have had suicidal thoughts, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that those thoughts be brought here alive and real in your presence. I ask that their shame be brought real right now. If you've ever felt shame about that barrier before, I ask the Lord right now that that shame would be stronger. The strongest that you've ever felt it, I ask that it be accumulated right now. Why? Because I want you to step up to the wall. I want you to step up to the barrier and say, Jesus, you are now ready to take my barrier and make it into a doorway because I know that you love me and I trust you. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you were inspired by today's sermon. Connect with the Life Church through our website, tlcdallas.com and on Facebook and Instagram at TLC Dallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.